Hey, Free Chapel Young Adults, thanks for checking this out. I'm sitting down now with Pastor Jonah Coyne to have a conversation. He leads an organization called Stay Here to raise awareness about suicide and to help prevent it under the banner. Gen Z will be suicide free, doing some really important work, and he works with Gen Z uh, with the youth at Gateway Church. So thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Excited to be here. I want to talk about uh, Gen Z and pastoring Gen Z. Maybe there's people listening that are working with Gen Z, and maybe there's some church leaders wondering uh, what has changed in the last generation. So you've worked with Gen Z for a number of years, correct? Yeah. So I was a youth pastor. started as a youth pastor at the age of 20. Okay. Um, so straight out of ministry school. Um, and never wanted to actually be a youth pastor. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> but I uh, just felt like that's where God led me, and I was a youth pastor for five years in the Seattle area. And uh, so, yeah, and then obviously with Stay Here, we work with youth as well, and yeah. Yeah, amazing. So maybe just to jump right in, mm-hmm. I want to know maybe some things that you've learned, or maybe just to say what's been the biggest learning um, after launching Stay Here, some of the things you've learned about Gen Z. Yeah, I mean, so much. I I think Gen Z has been labeled and uh, one of the most, like, the, has the biggest mental health crisis out of any generation. Sure. Which is true. Statistically, it is. Um, so there's a lot of labels, a lot of statistics that are against Gen Z. Uh, we know that Gen Z is also the first generation that has lived with technology yep. since I think middle school or something, or is it before that? Probably before. Before, yeah. that's right. So they've just had technology always around, social media always around. I remember when social media was created. I remember having a MySpace. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, so they've had uh, this connection with people through their phones uh, since they can remember. Yeah, sure. But it's been this kind of false connection. Uh, in a way, but we also know that Gen Z, 89% of Gen Z believes they were born to change the world Okay, is a, is a current statistic. Wow. And from what I've seen as a youth pastor and just being involved in the church, I, I love that Gen Z can spot fake really quick. Sure. It's really crazy. Actually, like if you are not yourself with them, they can spot it super fast. Um, and also they are extremely hungry for the real thing. Yep. So in the, in, that's the, the paradigm of that because they can see fake. And I think they've gotten so used to that filter, like sure. our generation millennials filters were, came out and everybody's putting filters on everything. Yeah. But if you go on like TikTok today, which is huge Gen Z, no filters, mm-hmm. No cool edits. Everything's really raw. Yeah. And Gen Z loves that. They love the real authentic thing. And so what I've seen uh, really around the world and specifically in, in the United States is that Gen Z is really hungry. Sure. They're hungry for a genuine experience with Jesus. They're hungry for true freedom uh, and the real thing. And so that's what I, that's why I love this generation. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are starting to recognize that this is a generation that will change the world um, if they get the right thing and the real thing uh, in Jesus. Even like platforms that are starting to become popular now, like Be Real. Yes, Be Real. Yeah, it's like the, um, you know, it's symptomatic of, I think, what a lot of Gen Z is feeling. 
Um, so maybe I think is you've talked about even from millennials, but there's like a cultural shift at this, you know, kind of moment hundred percent, um, with Gen Z and a lot of them now kind of getting older mm-hmm. and, um, sort of bringing to that, you know, space where mm-hmm. we're kind of looking at even like the generation to come after. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's I think it's gen alpha that they're talking gen about alpha. and, and then kind of like looking. So Gen Z is at that point right now where. They're in youth ministries and now beginning to come into young adults, and it's mm-hmm. kind of cementing some of the cultural things that we're seeing, yeah. particularly as it relates to church. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some questions that they're asking, or how? Are, what are the, what is different about what they're looking for in church as opposed to previous generations? Yeah, I, I think Gen Z is asking the question, what do you have to offer me that I can't get anywhere else? Really good, Or that yeah. I can get anywhere else? Wow. Like, they... Uh, I really think we've had this model in youth ministry that just isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you're a youth pastor, I'm sure you've seen that trend. Um, where like the days where the big a thousand person youth ministry is very rare. Yep. Um, I was a part of that. I was a part of a youth ministry, had an amazing youth pastor where, you know, the room was always packed. Youth mm-hmm. ministry felt like it was the place to be. And I think Gen Z is now asking the question, well, really, is this the place to be? Yeah. And I think what they want more than anything is not the cool games that we do. It's not the amazing food that we might provide, even though that stuff is awesome and has its place. Mm -hmm. I think they're wanting to know, are you going to answer the questions that I'm asking in this day and age, in this culture, in this cultural age? Because there's a lot of hot topics in the world today that Gen Z is, has questions about, right? Um, like, are we going to, as youth pastors and as, you know, youth churches talk about homosexuality? Mm-hmm. Are we going to talk about, uh, the tension with sexual identity mm-hmm. today and gender identity today? Um, or are we going to shy away from these topics and just talk about the things we think that they want to hear Yeah, when they actually don't care so much about yep. the self-help, self-improvement gospel that we might've been preaching. And I know I'm kind of just jabbing and getting into it, but it fires me up because a lot of millennials have left the church. You see a lot of millennials today are deconstructing their faith, yeah. um, leaving the church because they said they had church hurt. And I think Gen Z now is like, well, am I actually really going to get changed by coming here? And are you going to give me the freedom and the answers that I'm longing for? Yeah. The connection that I'm longing for. Cause that's another thing too, is a lot of the ways that our youth churches are organized. There is very little connection Yep. Uh, in our youth ministries. And so it's this kind of come in, come out and some kids don't stick and they need connection in this day and age more than ever Yeah. because they're sitting on their phones scrolling. We were talking about this yesterday, scrolling. And it's like this dopamine, dopamine kick that they're getting Mm -hmm. and they think it's connection and it's really not not. as they're scrolling, looking, who looks at their, uh, looking at the people who have looked at their likes or trying to figure out who's watching their stuff. Yeah. That is a part of them feeling like I'm getting affirmed. Mm -hmm. I have some kind of connection that I'm not getting throughout the week. And as a church, I think the two things that we could do better for Gen Z is provide a place where they can connect. Yeah. Like, can we resurrect small groups? Yes. Somebody please, please like <laughs> resurrect small groups, resurrect places of connection, hang out with your kids uh, as a youth pastor. For me, 
one of my my favorite things to do was to go to their games. Yep. Uh, go to choir concerts. I would go to the places where, like, I would show up and parents mm-hmm. would go, Pastor Jonah, you're here? Like, just for my kid? This is crazy. Yeah. I remember having parents cry just going, like, I, I've never had a pastor or a youth pastor ever come to any of my kids' it's stuff. Crazy. Um, and then I learned this from my youth pastor as well and from a guy named Brian Barcelona, just to be on the school campuses mm-hmm. and to be a place of connection for yep. kids. And, um, you know, I, when I went into youth ministry, I always had the impression that it was just about preaching sure, and being a good preacher and a good minister and came to find out that that's like the least important part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I've heard so many, you know, young youth pastors just go like, well, I just want to become like the best next preacher. Right. And I want to just encourage and challenge you. That's a really shallow thing to desire. Yeah. And it's, it's not that communication is bad and, and preaching the word is bad, but a ministry of presence is better Yep. and being a people person is way better. Mm-hmm. And so I think Gen Z's looking to see, are, are you going to care about me? Yeah. I remember the youth pastor at Bethel church, his name's Tom Crandall. When I first went into youth ministry, uh, I, I asked him, what's the most important thing that you could tell me? And he said, they're not going to remember your messages but they're going to remember how they feel when they're with you. Yeah. Right. And I felt that with my youth pastor, my youth pastor was Chad Veach. He's a great guy. I remember the second time and I tried to model this. The second time I came to church, he remembered my name. Hmm. He remembered that I played baseball and where I came from, Wow. that I drove 40 minutes to get there. The second time I came and he had a youth ministry of like 500 kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a second you remember my name. I'm not just buddy to you. Yeah. I'm not just pal because you can't remember my name. I'm Jonah coin. Yeah. You remember that. And I, I realized this is the guy that I want to follow. And this is the, this is the place I want to be because I'm not just a number here. I'm Jonah here and I'm valued. Yeah. And then he would take us to, uh, Thursday. He wouldn't take us. We would drive to Thursday morning Bible study with him. And I'm a student. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a leader. Mm-hmm. I'm 15 years old. Me and my brother would drive to Puyallup before school, have coffee and do devos with Chad and then go back to school Wow! and learn how to read scripture with our youth pastor. Amazing. And I just think a lot of things like that, when I look at youth ministries and youth pastors today, we've lost a lot of that touch yeah. approach with this generation. And we've kind of made this Instagram cool looking youth ministry gosh yeah on the outside so that people are impressed by what we do but it's shallow when you go there right (laughs) so it's like do you really want to look cool to the world so that you have influence and maybe you'll have like an itinerant ministry someday i know i'm just like this stuff just hurts no but but this is real like i think a lot of people feel like the win is still on instagram yeah you know because you have millennials now pastoring gen z and there's this weird, I think, dissonance that a lot of students feel where there's maybe a lot of people that see, but nobody's, or maybe there's a lot of people that watch, but they don't feel seen. Yep. Or there's a lot of people that can like, like their post, but they don't feel like nobody's, anybody's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's, a, you know, an important dissonance that you're picking up on. Um, and I think one that's really important, I think, to get back to, like, there's, I have moments like that where I'm yeah. thinking of, you know, 6.30 a.m., uh, 
prayer meetings at youth ministry or, or there's, you know, my youth pastor literally walking me through how to be a Christian. Yep. I don't remember a lot of the sermons that he preached, but man, do I remember, you know, the people that changed my life. hundred percent. Yeah. So I think when it comes to, um, like when it comes to sort of the, those questions mm-hmm. of like, you know, where, how does the Bible speak into this or what is church really the value in that? Or what do yeah. you have to offer me that's different? You shared something with me before we started rolling. Can you share that? Yeah. So Barna, which is an amazing, uh, statistics source, study source for Christians in the church. They came out with this current statistic that only 13% of youth pastors have a biblical worldview Wow! in America, 13%. And then for Gen Z, only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview currently. And I think the reason why Gen Z doesn't have a biblical worldview is because our youth pastors don't have a biblical worldview. Yeah. And we, uh, and again, this is just something that irks me. I'm passionate about this, so I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm just saying it how it is. Of course. On here is we have this like TED Talk type of sermon, and we're expecting these kids to fall in love with Scripture, or we want them to fall in love with Scripture when we barely put any emphasis on it. Yep. And so it's more about our topic. It's more about our three points. It's more about our 25-minute sermon and just getting it done and getting the kids out. Or maybe you have a, more of a desire just to get kids into your youth ministry so that you have a big youth ministry, but you don't have a desire to disciple them. Hmm. And what's so sad is most of Gen Z today is being discipled more by their devices than they are by their youth pastor. Yep. They're being discipled more by their phone. Yep. And I, I want to see youth pastors kind of go back to the basics yeah. In simplicity mm-hmm. and go, you know, what's going to change your life is if I teach you prayer. Yeah. If I teach you how to read scripture, yep. how to, how to write in your journal, mm-hmm. um, the simple things, these devotions that we're all supposed, it's like what, uh, Paul said to the church of Corinth. He says the one thing that I have against you church of Corinth is that you have forsaken your one simple and pure devotion to Jesus. Yeah. And if we could, kind of go back to the basics and just mm. preach the gospel. Yeah, sure. Preach Jesus, give these kids a love for scripture, prayer, the word, like it would be a game changer mm-hmm. and spirit, which is something that I'm like, I, I love so much and changed my life really as, good, yeah. as a, as a teenager. You know, for me, I grew, I grew up in a church where the Holy spirit wasn't talked about a lot. Okay. And, uh, for me, the Trinity was like God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Bible. It wasn't there. It was like, Holy yeah. spirit, where are you at? Like, I right. don't even know who you are. You, you freak me out, especially when they would say Holy ghost, you know? Yeah. Like who is Holy ghost? Uh, but I had a dramatic encounter with the Holy spirit at the age of 13, where I was baptized in the Holy spirit and I had no grid for it. Wow. So no one taught me yeah. what that was, but by the next week I'm speaking in tongues and Someone taught me how to pray for the sick as a teenager and experienced a little bit of that expression in my youth group where my youth pastor prayed for me and he was praying in tongues and prophesying all that stuff. And that experience lit me up as a teenager Yeah, where I was like, how come I've never heard of this in the church? Mm -hmm. How come this is not talked about more? And this was like, the main emphasis of the early church. It felt like at least like it's the book of acts comes after the book of John and it's the acts of the Holy spirit, which is, or the acts of the apostles 
that happened after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I just wonder, and what I've seen with so many of my friends, the majority of my friends that I grew up with in youth ministry that got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, have stayed in the church or are in ministry today where they had this experience with yeah. God. And so I think if we could go back to that as well, where there's a, a marriage with spirit and word in our youth groups and kids have a genuine encounter with God. Yep. And then we build a love on scripture, this mm-hmm. foundation of scripture, we will have rock solid believers yep. in Gen Z. Yeah. And so that's something that I'm so passionate about and hmm. would love to talk more about that. Yeah. I think it, it definitely is worth evaluating our approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't know this, but last night we did a youth service and, and we kind of had like, I went into that service watching to experiment, to see is the model of doing the big blowout service with the big budget and the events afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the two hours of food trucks and carnival rides is that, you know, can we just do that once a month and then just have that be the touch point for youth? And there was a moment at the altar where there was a very clear, you know, sort of prophetic ministry and students in the presence of God. Um, And even students that maybe were just observing or watching, I really felt leaving that service like we can't just give Gen Z once a month. That's right. They need a weekly expression to be around this. And and especially because they're there, we're competing with countless hours on devices and on platforms that is actually discipling them. Wow. That we need to, you know, sort of be on the for- forefront and not, don't worry about having the coolest service, mm-hmm. but actually just to be present. I was thinking, um, one, one of the things we teach our leaders a lot is this idea of being relevant, mm-hmm. but relevance, the definition, it doesn't mean being cool. Yeah. It means being close. Wow. And so if you want to be like impactful to a student, it's, mm-hmm. and this is, I think maybe true for anybody. The, to be relevant, it doesn't mean like oh, I've got to have the coolest shoes or I got to speak the same language or, you know, as, as we all have this struggle of getting older and trying mm-hmm. to figure out like, listen, I do not look good in baggy pants. I can't wear baggy <laughs> pants, but it, I don't, they don't need me to do that. Mm-hmm. They just need me to be close, That's to be great. involved in their life, to have a, a leader or a youth pastor in their life that remembers their name or recognizes the season that they're going through. And it's not just a number to them. Yeah. It's not just about putting a butt in a seat, mm-hmm. but it's actually knowing the stories of people and walking them through. I think like one of the things I've observed is Gen Z doesn't really care about the worship guests that you have or the guest speaker that you're going to bring in or even what giveaways you're doing. Like the reality is this stuff just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it really does matter. Like how is this going to be real? Is it going to be worth me coming to? And am I going to leave any different than when I came mm-hmm. and we don't need, you know, like any more of these, like even like new conferences and stuff. I, I got no hate on that. I love, you know, when the church is beginning to try innovative ways, but the reality is we can't just keep doing the old things. Like it's good. The method does have to change, mm-hmm. um, to reach a new generation. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I think, uh, one of the things that Brian Barcelona with one voice student missions told me when I became a youth pastor, that's always stuck with me is he said to me, I believe this is Brian talking. He said, I believe that in 10 years, our youth ministries will be uh, either gone or they will be extremely diminished, which from when he's told me that, a lot of that is already happening. And he said, the reason is, is because students, we used to have this model where it was always like, come to us, yep, come to our event. 
And we were all about that. I was like, yep, I'm, I'm at that conference. I'm coming to this. I'll totally be there. Um, but now they're looking to see, are you going to come to me? Yep. And so Brian told me, he was like, if you can, and we've talked a little bit about this already, but if you can get to where the students are mm-hmm. and show them, Hey, I'm going to be present on your campus. I'm going to be with you where you are. They are more, more than likely going to come where you are. Sure. Because they've seen, wait a second, you actually care about this part of my life too. Yeah, right. You care You care about the ins and outs. And so I think with leading the next generation and the changes that we're seeing, like what you're saying, conferences, guest speakers, guest worship bands, they just don't work yeah. like they used to. But what works is someone that cares. Yep. And so if we can just continue to have that mindset of like, I'm going to go to where they are and not just expect them to come where we are Mm -hmm. to our amazing event, you're going to see incredible shifts. And I think uh, we've talked about this a little bit too, but just with starting clubs and things as a youth pastor, that's been my, probably the, the, my most favorite thing that we've done uh, in all of youth ministry was doing clubs in high schools Hmm. because you are in an environment that does not feel like church. Yeah. Because there's a lot of unsaved kids. Of course, you're in a classroom. You're in a classroom yeah. You're or you're in a, a, a gym or wherever you're at doing the club. And you have the opportunity to actually win people to Jesus and do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, and to build relationship with people that may not ever walk foot into a church. But you're in their school representing Jesus to them. Yep. And you have stories about this too as a youth pastor where you're in that school in Chicago, which I love so much. And I just wonder too, if youth pastors would just get brave enough and bold enough to get into schools, what you would see like as a shift in your city Mm -hmm. and the kids that would come to your youth ministry. Can I share a story about that too? Yeah, please do. So we started this club at a high school called Bonnie Lake High School. And in three months, it went from 18 kids to 100 kids. And we were like bursting out the seams of this classroom. Like you couldn't get any bigger. Mm -hmm. And uh, that club went for two years. And then um, there was a girl who attempted suicide because she had a breakup with her boyfriend, a bad breakup. And so she attempted suicide because of that. And she was friends with a girl who went to the Jesus club. Okay. That we started. And so on the way to the hospital, in the ambulance, she has this thought, which I believe was the Holy spirit to text her friend from the Jesus club to take her to a, to youth group this week. Of course. Wow. And so she texts her friend and she says, Hey, will you take me to youth group this week as she's going to the hospital? (laughs) And, uh, she took her literally, I think it was the next day to my youth group. And this girl, her name's Emily. She, she's totally fine with me sharing the story. She gets saved, gives her life to Jesus that night at her youth ministry. She, uh, I think it took about two months because she consistently came every Sunday night. Wow. Never went to the Jesus Club, mm-hmm. but we had a presence there, which made it, ended up making her come to our youth ministry yep. and finding Jesus. She's been suicide attempt free and suicide thought free for almost two years, I think. Incredible, yeah. And it's because of a Jesus experience and because we had a presence at a school. Yeah. If we never went to that school, Emily never would have came to our youth ministry mm-hmm. and she never would have found freedom. Yeah. And so I'm like, get where the kids are. 
yeah. get where they are and you're going to see the most amazing, most fun things you've ever seen in youth ministry. Yeah. And when, yeah. when we're talking about getting into schools, it's not just like to just go promote your agenda right. or to go do your thing. It's great, Cody. Um, I think it is like what we've found a lot more success with is just kind of serving the school mm -hmm. and trying to go through the front office to just say like, how can we support? How can we serve? Is there anything that you need from us? Yeah, can and we clean up? Can we paint a wall? Yeah. And it's not like, you know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to work an angle and it's unfortunately it's so rare that people are oftentimes really apprehensive to that. They're mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, but what do you want? You know, what do you want out of this? And to kind of come and just say, we don't want anything. We're not trying to do anything except just to be around, to love students and yep. to help serve what you guys are trying to do. So good. You know, in Chicago, we were like literally DJing lunch hour. Not, not, <laughs> not my favorite, dude. We weren't preaching messages. We weren't even doing Jesus Club. We were literally setting up speakers and DJing a lunch <laughs> hour. And we would just have people that came with us to just kind of like talk and be available. But we, there was never, we weren't handing out flyers. We weren't doing any of that. We were right. just trying to be where students were at. Yeah. It's and my it's my favorite story. It's like funny, but it like, I don't know. It just, it was special moments and it worked where students kind of like, Hey, what, what are you guys here for? What are you doing? And that was an opportunity to tell them like, Hey, we actually are with this church. And like what church? No way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just kind of like coming with that approach. It says, I'm not trying to get anything from you. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give. Um, yeah. and I think it's a really, you know, and even for students to feel that I was thinking of like, I don't know if you heard this, but there was that interview with Shia LaBeouf about how he's yes. recently become a Catholic. Yes. And one of the things he was talking about is in a lot of, I think he was particularly like a Catholic lens, but even I think it replies to a lot of churches. I was thinking a lot of pastors and friends I know doing ministry. He was saying that part of what it feels like a lot of times is that he's being sold something. Mm. And, you know, whether it be in a message or a church service, there's like this used car sales pitch that's mm -hmm. going on instead of letting people in on an experience and sort of allowing them to um, take part in what is a really holy thing. Yeah. Um, like, you know, when we're worshiping God, it's not, you know, we got to get away from this idea that we're selling people something. It's good. I think it was a really cool, you know, just perspective shift to think about like, am I just trying to promote my own angle? Yeah. Or am I trying to get like my platform across or am yeah. I actually letting people in on this, like this, you know, holy secret and mystery yeah. that is a relationship with God? And like, do you really love people? Yeah. Like, just get down to the basics of it. Like, are you, what, what, what motive are you in this for mm -hmm. to be in ministry and to be a youth pastor? Is yep. it for the following? Is it for influence? Is it because you saw some, I'm uh, just going to say it, some celebrity pastor yeah. that you want to be like, and you think that that's the goal or the pinnacle? Yeah. Which I'll just say publicly, like that is dead. Yeah. <laughs> we got to let that one go. Thank you for saying it, Cody. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think, um, Something I even prayed before I ministered last night at, 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 uh, one night is God break my heart for these kids. Yeah. Give me a love for these kids because if, if I have a love for them, I'm not going to fail tonight mm -hmm. and you're not going to fail either yeah, so because good. love doesn't fail. And if, if I have a heart for them, mm -hmm. you're going to give me the words for them. Yep. And I think a lot of times we just come into things and we have this routine and we're in it for the wrong motive. But love is the greatest motive. Yep. It's the greatest motivator. Mm -hmm. Paul said, I'm persuaded or compelled by love yeah. for people. And there's this old, I think it was like a Brooke, I think her name was Frazier at the time from Hillsong, but she, she, there was a song where it said, break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah. And I feel like that prayer needs to get 
almost rebirthed again. Yeah. Of like, God, give me compassion. Because that's what Jesus was moved by. You know, there was that moment, too, when uh, Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. And he was going to go away to grieve, to process probably the news that he just heard. But he looks at this crowd mm -hmm. of people and it says he saw them as sheep that were without helpless shepherd, and without yeah. a shepherd. And he went and taught them being moved by, by compassion. Mm -hmm. And you will have, you will always have something to give if you're moved by compassion. Yep. You'll always, and you're going to see way more fruit that way mm -hmm. because you're not doing it just to fill a seat like what we've been talking about, yep. but you're actually approaching people to see them transformed by the love of Jesus. Yep. And so, yeah, man, I could talk about this all day. Well, but. no, but it's like, the, I remember that being a real moment for me yeah. in ministry is there was a, like, I, I had to let go of the uh, need or really the pressure to be impressive Great. But instead, just I just simply try to be helpful. And yes. what I found is, ironically, I mean, this is true for ministry, but it's also true for business. Yep. It's true for nearly any profession mm -hmm. that, like, the paradoxical thing about all of it is those that are most helpful actually end up being the most, most impressive. impressive. Yes. But those who try and be the most impressive are actually the least helpful yes. of anybody. Yeah, because you're definitely more self-centered. Yeah. And it just, it'll, it comes across, and especially Gen Z, like we, what we were saying they're gonna read it so quick yeah but they'll but they'll also read this guy actually cares yeah this girl actually cares she actually loves me and is here for me and um you can feel it yeah you, you really can so so i want you to give one encouragement to gen z about the church yeah and i want you to give one encouragement to the church about gen z gen z Say that again. Give one encouragement to maybe Gen Z that might be listening about church specifically, yep. and then flip it. One encouragement to the church about Gen Z. That's great. Yeah, so for, for Gen Z, I'll just say the community and the connection that you're aching and longing for is the church, mm -hmm. and it always has been. You know, uh, in Acts 2.42, it was the foundation, the beginning of the church, it says this about the church. It says that they gathered together daily and they broke bread together. They had fellowship together. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and prayer. But the thing that I love so much about the early church is the emphasis on community yeah. and gathering and being with each other. Mm -hmm. And for Gen Z, uh, you know, I know that you're hungry for Jesus. I know that you really actually have a longing for answers and the right things. And I believe that you're going to find them in church. Yep. I know that you will. And just for me growing up as a millennial, I have found a, a love for the church. The church is not perfect. Awesome. There is uh, not one church in the world today that is perfect. You're always going to find messes. There are broken things. Why? Because we're broken people. Of course. Yeah. No, no one is Jesus, but we're striving to become more like him. Yep. And if you can also go into church with that perspective of going like, I'm not going to find a perfect church. Every church has its quirks and mm -hmm. maybe mistakes, but I am going to find people who are striving to become more like him. Yep. And that's where you want to be planted. Mm -hmm. You want to be planted like a tree in a community of people that love Jesus love the word, love his Great. spirit. And if you can do that as a young person starting now, it's going to set you up for the rest of your life. And so find a local church, a youth church to plug into, and it's going to change you for the best. Amazing. And then church for Gen Z. Yeah. 
so for the church, for Gen Z, I think we've talked a lot about it already. Uh, but my encouragement to you is to go where they are and to remove the lens of what the world has labeled Gen Z. Yeah. And maybe even what the church at large has labeled what this generation is like and just go, no, this is a generation that actually is going to change the world and they're worth investing in. Yeah. Great. They're so worth investing in. And so hmm. I would throw all of your eggs into the, into the basket of serving this generation because Gen Alpha is coming up. Yep. And we don't want to raise up a biblically illiterate generation or a generation that completely leaves the church at large because we're seeing that statistic as well, that uh, l- fewer and fewer people are going to church or find the need yeah. for church. And if that keeps going, it's going to keep going for Gen Alpha. Yep. And so I think we need a fresh wave of going like, you know what? This generation is so important to put all our eggs in the basket of investing in them. Yep. And let's find out how we can reach them in new Great. creative ways. And so you can do this church. We love you. Yeah. Thank you for that encouragement. I think it's really valuable. And what you're doing is so significant. I want to say thank you for not only your ministry last night, but continuing the hard work of reaching Gen Z and believing for really a miraculous vision to see Gen Z be suicide free. You can check out what Jonah's doing at stayhere.live. And uh, again, appreciate you being on with us. Thanks for the encouragement to Gen Z. And let's just remember it's worth it. Keep fighting for this generation. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, Cody.